The following is a presentation of KSL Sports. First and 12. A total roundup of this weekend's BYU football and the new look Big 12 Conference. First and 12 is sponsored by Macy's Grocery Store. Your hosts are Mitch Harper and Alex Keery on KSL News Radio and the KSL Sports Zone. Hour number two is off and running on this Sunday morning. Hope all of you enjoyed your week six action of Big 12 football. Mitch Harper, Alex Keery, every single week, first and 12, from 10 to noon here on KSL News Radio and the KSL Sports Zone and available on all podcasts. Alex, it's time for everyone's favorite segment, the controversial Big 12 Power Rankings. The Big 12 Power Rankings Big Board. A weekly rank of all 12 programs from the elite to the bottom dwellers. All right, so here's what it looks like. Tons of movement on this thing. And there's still going to be people that are going to be grumpy about where we have teams. Maybe you want to see BYU go a little higher up. But let's start off with the inevitable there. The two best teams in the Big 12. Swapping spots for the first time this year. And I don't know if we had – did we have Texas at the very top the entire time until this yes. week, Mitch? So we they've been number one all, all, all year. I think Kansas State – had maybe been a number two, maybe at the very beginning. We weren't were. really buying into the Oklahoma the Oklahoma storyline. But Dylan Gabriel and the Oklahoma Sooners get it done down in Texas yesterday in the Red River rivalry, and you've got yourself a swapping in the number one and number two spot. Texas at number at number two, Oklahoma at number one now, and the Sooners well-deserved, of course, to be at the top of the list right now. No question. I mean, they, they are the best team in the league, and they're now in a position, Alex, to where – they could be in the college football playoff. It'll be interesting to see how a playoff committee, if it gets to that point where, you know, Oklahoma maybe drops a game in the regular season and And they look at that how, they look at that week schedule at the beginning of the year. Is that what how you're they say? view how they view a one loss Oklahoma team potentially if it gets to that yeah. point. I would imagine they'd be in the playoff, but still it's it's an interesting thought with them. Well, and and you know, you look at it too and you have to go, all right, so what are these teams really? What is Texas really? What is Quinn Ewers really? Um, it's still kind of early, but at the same time, like, how many games do we need? Mid-season point right now. I know. we got five, Everybody's got five games, six games under their belt, and they've got to figure it out. Now, the question is going to be, and, and, and of course, the AP poll comes right after our show ends uh, uh, on a Sunday. So where do they end up? When the when the uh, rankings come out here in the next forty five minutes here, Mitch, it, it, where do you put Oklahoma now? Who what I think was twelve this past week, mm-hmm. and then Texas was three. Uh, people had people weren't buying into Texas being number one, but my heavens, uh, they still got double digit votes in the number one spot because Georgia looked kind of weak last week. It, it was the most diverse like spread of of first place votes that we'd seen in a long time. So where do you end up putting Oklahoma? Or where do you think they're going to end up after today's AP poll comes out? I'd probably have Oklahoma at five, and then put Texas at six or seven. I, I, I think you you keep you know Texas pretty high in that top ten. That was a great football game. That was I, awesome. you, I think you put Oklahoma in that top five spot. Uh, okay, so as we get things going here, let's go down to number three. Now that you know number one and number two, number three, a shock considering where we had them at the beginning of the year and certainly shouldn't be a shock considering although it is a shock because the number the guy who's supposed to be taking them to this place is not even playing that much. Kansas at number 3 after a blowout win over UCF. 
Yeah, first, back-to-back 5-1 and one starts for the Jayhawks. First time that's happened since 2008. It's good times with Lance Leipold. You just wonder, though, if, if he's going to you know, flirt around with that Michigan State job. He's kind of been linked to that. If they can keep him in Lawrence, he just continues to do a fantastic job. Number four, this is where we had some controversy, some Alex. Some bickering. We had, a, we had a moment where we considered <laughs> BYU, but ultimately we go – with the West Virginia Mountaineers yeah. at number four, who has exceeded everyone's expectations for them. Neil Brown, probably off the hot seat. I mean, he's got to get to bowl eligibility at least still, and you got to go get that sixth win. But uh, the Mountaineers in a great spot. They're at number four in this week's Power yeah. Rankings. You feel and good about that? Listen, I fought I fought BYU fans. I mean, Mitch was just digging in. I couldn't <laughs> get a word in edgewise on this thing. No, we. I think we both kind of decided, if you're going to have a, 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 a couple of one-loss teams right there, between BYU and West Virginia, West Virginia has done more than enough to uh, first shush the, na- the naysayers, right? But also their only loss this year has come to Penn State. Mm-hmm. So you look at it and you go, man, they, they've been taking care of business the games they're supposed to. They didn't get absolutely blown out by Penn State either. So I think West Virginia has done enough right now to stay in that spot. But talk about a absolute shock right now between three and five. Kansas, West Virginia, BYU – that's the BYU spot, though, at five. You feel comfortable putting them ahead of everybody else? I certainly do. Yeah, I, I feel good because their only loss is to Kansas. And, you know, Kansas, their lone loss was to Texas. I mean, I just think that the way that Kansas dominated UCF, I thought, you know, I hate when fans kind of go, well, now I feel better about BYU's loss because <laughs> Kansas destroyed UCF. So that makes me feel better about 11-point loss. Like a loss kid, is a loss. It's like my kid last night talking about Arkansas, <laughs> and he goes, well, Arkansas is garbage. That wasn't a good win. And I go, hey, settle down. This is this is not how it works. You know, it's not this transitive property wins and losses situation, although fans certainly play that game uh, quite often, especially on a Sunday. They definitely do. Number six, hey, we had left this team in the – near the bottom for a minute, but they're on the come up once again. Joey McGuire and the Texas Tech Raiders checking in at number six after a two-game win streak. And you know what's interesting, too, is they're on the scary list now uh, on teams. It was already going to be a tough prospect when the Red Raiders come into Provo this year, but now it's looking more and more difficult because they've kind of come around, just like you said, uh, McGuire's got his guys dialed up. This is a pretty good. This is a pretty dang good team. This was this was a team that people had. We thought they were going to be in that two or three spot, maybe at the front end of this season. Here, they've had to climb into that six spot form, but they're in a much better spot than they were last week. And, and think the, about think yeah. about their losses too, Alex. Wyoming, yes. Oregon, mm-hmm. good football teams. Wyoming beat Fresno yesterday. I mean, yes. I know again the transitive thing. It's a little bit annoying, but. They've lost to good football teams, Texas Tech, yeah. so maybe they're just kind of hitting their their stride finally, and they're being the team that we thought they would be in this the This league loves to have teams try to figure things out midway through the season <laughs> and then suddenly be world beaters so at the end of this whole thing. Now, a team that has fallen uh, greatly and finds themselves now still in the middle of the pack is Kansas State. Man, this is just a team that has got all sorts of problems right now, and it doesn't look like it's going to necessarily just sort of fix itself for Kansas State. They've got a lot of uh, soul-searching to do. They do, and, and I just think that they're not as uh, assignment sound, and they're not also the, the, the discipline issue, too. I mean, it seems like Kansas State is making uh, head-scratching mistakes, and they had three turnovers against Oklahoma State. It's just that's not going to work. I mean, that was where what led Kansas State to being the Big 12 champ last year was taking care of the football. Will Howard was sound. 
he was a mess last week. I know he's been banged up the past few weeks, and that's been difficult on him. But uh, if you're going to go 15 to 34 for 152 for, for completing 44 percent and three no. ints, no. I don't. I know that you won the Big 12 title last year, but uh, when you got a four star waiting in the wings, you know that that seat's got to get a little bit warm for him. I think Iowa State. Uh, a little bit of a shock at eight, I would think. I mean, but that's where we both agreed to put them, and I think that that's where they deserve to be. At three and three right now, people had them in the in the absolute dumpsters, considering that they had to pick up so many pieces in this program with off-the-field stuff, but Iowa State proving that they are an absolute beast of a defense, and their offense is starting to show up. That is true. Rocco Beck, uh, this uh, young kid at quarterback, 16 to 28, 138. I, I like what Iowa State's doing. You know, I feel like uh, some of the, it's kind of reminds me a little bit of those uh, early Brees Hall, Brock Purdy teams, very young. I mean, this Iowa State team is young, and if they can find success, you know, you look at them long term down the road in, in the future 16 team iteration of the league. This could be a, a nice grouping to build off of. It's a good bounce back, too. After a couple weeks ago losing the, to a MAC team in Ohio, that seemed like it was a rock-bottom moment. But uh, once again, uh, bouncing back nicely, Iowa State. Checking in at number nine, Oklahoma State. You talk about bounce backs, Alex. This mm-hmm. team, uh, we were pretty low on last week. We had they were dead, dead last, last in the power ranking. Yeah, and you know what? They deserved every bit of that. And then this week, the bounce back has been, you know, this is a, this is this is a team that's climbed the highest in the power rankings this week. I think because you just never want to write off Mike Gundy. Although last week we were saying write this guy off, he's just he's absolutely had his time there in Stillwater. But yeah, the Oklahoma State Cowboys. It was a weird game on Friday, wasn't it? Like it just felt weird. It felt like neither team was really comfortable playing on a Friday night, and certainly Kansas State looked out of sorts, but. Uh, you know, I'm watching this thing, and Oklahoma State got that last interception to kind of seal the deal, and the double birds go up from people in the stands at ESPN has to cut away <laughs> from all these cowpoke fans with their obscenities, and I'm going, you know what? They're kind of getting on a roll here. Uh, hitting the double digits for the first time this year, and I don't know when it's going to get better, but TCU right now, certainly BYU fans are hoping that they're going to stay in this slump right now as, as the Cougs are set to go down to Fort Worth. TCU needs to avoid Ames, Iowa at all costs. They've lost four straight uh, at Iowa State. Uh, their seasons seem to go go and, and die at at Iowa State, and and it felt like it wasn't know, even it was close just, either. It was it was it was at least two touchdowns, and it felt like it should have been. They had the, they had the three score lead and gave up a late one, and it was yes. it was even it was it was even worse than it looked on paper. Well, and have Chandler Morris out. That that's a bit worrisome. We'll see what happens with that lefty because it looked pretty bad. I mean, he got rolled up underneath yeah. him, and without Chandler Morris, there's no Max Duggan waiting in the wings here for TCU. Number eleven, Cincinnati. They had a bye week, so kind of staying put. The mm-hmm. Bearcats got a good D line, but uh, still kind of have some questions about that offense going forward. I don't think we have a question about how bad Baylor looks right now. Mm. Baylor getting absolutely housed this week, and, and you know, again, speaking of not being very close. It's one of these games for Baylor where you go, all right, everybody else seems to be having the bounce back. Uh, not so fast for Baylor, who gets absolutely blasted by Texas Tech 39-14. to I mean, that was an awful game. It could have been a season turnaround for Texas Tech, and it might show us that Baylor is actually as bad as we may have thought beginning of the year. Might have to turn up the heat on Dave Aranda's seat, too. Uh, it just feels like things are trending. You have too much backward. power, Mitch. You have too much power. Don't say stuff like that. <laughs> you you know I love a good hot seat, a good coaching carousel. But you know it, it just it feels like things are slipping fast. It's in free fall, 
and there's no answers. No Blake Shapin, Sawyer Robertson, right. a quarterback. There's no clear answer there. And and the running backs, where are they? Where is the, the ground game? When they got Dominic Richardson in the portal, I thought, okay, this is going to be the next stud running back for Baylor. They're going to be the RVO offense for Jeff Grimes. Hasn't been a thing at all. They had less than 50 yards rushing uh, against Texas Tech. Jeez. Texas Tech suffocated them. Baylor, they're just fortunate they got these two teams that are newcomers below them because uh, they would probably be at the bottom right now. Number 13, UCF, who they lost to Baylor in an epic collapse last week, and that carried over and turned into a second loss as they got thumped by Kansas. Even with the bye, we still felt Houston did absolutely horribly this week. <laughs> And is that and is it number fourteen uh, on the list? And so the newcomers to the Big Twelve right now, BYU carrying the banner for the new teams uh, at least so far, all the way through. All right, we'll take the break here. We'll come back. We have our uh, we've got our Big Twelve Sound Roundup coming up around the corner. You're gonna be able to hear from the uh, the coaches and some of the players, especially when it comes to uh, that Red River rivalry. So stay right here with us. It is first and twelve on KSL News Radio and on the KSL Sports Zone. Stay with us. Read all the stories about BYU sports no one else has heard. Go to kslsports.com for exclusive columns by BYU insider Mitch Harper. That's kslsports.com. You can hear Mitch Harper also tomorrow on Cougar Nation on KSL News Radio taking phone calls. No game to complain about this week for BYU fans, but certainly they can get ready for this one versus TCU down at Ammon Carter Stadium in Fort Worth where Mitch Harper will be covering the game. Alex Curie, Mitch Harper right here with you. Of course, I host uh, Unrivaled during the week with Scott Mitchell on DKSL Sports Zone, and you can hear us from 3 to 6. And then Mitch and I every week on 1st and 12 as we venture into a very exciting Big 12 season number one for BYU. So many things going on, and what we love to do is to jump in on some of the sound that was heard around the conference. It is our sound roundup here. Let's get to it. Big 12 Sound Roundup. Check one, two. The best bites, cheap shots, and excuses from Saturday's postgame news conferences. We got to start things off, Alex, down in Dallas from that Red River rivalry. Quarterback Dylan Gabriel had an amazing touchdown pass in the final moments of that game to Nick Anderson. This was Gabriel on that game-winning TD. Just uh, saw the corner clamp and then seen Nick in the back of the end zone and Man, that's what we practice, you know, week in and week out. And I'm um, just proud of everyone coming together, you know, controlling the chaos and um, just dialing it in. You know, that's, that's big-time football and something you dream of as a little kid. So just being a part of it is something special, especially, you know, with all these guys in that locker room. I love every single one of them. So Certainly people, Mitch, are waiting to talk about the other quarterback on the other side of things with the higher-ranked Longhorns and Quinn Ewers with – uh, all the all the the attention that comes with him and, and the possibility of him being a high draft pick in the NFL, uh, but kudos to Oklahoma on the win. They bounced back from an embarrassment last year. Brent Venables uh, coming off of of that win has to feel good. The hot seat is now cooled completely, at least for now, for Brent Venables as they get ready. Here's what he had to say after the game uh, with that 34-30 win over Texas. He's the calmest guy I've ever been around at the quarterback position. And he's got great belief in the players around him. Incredibly humble. You don't see him ever, you know, uh, tooting his own horn. And, uh, you know, he's always trying to compliment and call someone else up. And uh, But he's prepared. He's worked really, really hard. Uh, he's been one of the most consistent uh, players in our program uh, from the leadership and showing up every day with the right mindset and, and bringing out the best in his teammates. So he was fearless. And, uh, again, I, I don't put any limits on what Dylan can do. I and mean, he's playing 
uh, as confident as anybody on our on our team right now. And uh, that's I think he understands the collective, uh, you know, uh, parts of of the rest of the offense and the defense and the kicking game and uh, doing their their part. So really, really proud. Uh, and he's just a guy that has he's gonna find a way to get it done. Gabriel definitely kind of etched his name among the great Oklahoma quarterbacks. It's not quite, you know, Baker Mayfield or or Sam Bradford levels, but, man, he's carved out his own little niche. I'll tell you, the fan base, too, if this game is the thing that means the most to them during the year itself, short of the Big 12 championship game, but sure. this this isn't just bragging rights. This is like it's beyond. It's something insane. You know what I mean? They have – I mean, it's crazy, too. It's a middle of the season game, Mitch, and it's the All State Red River rivalry game. Like it is, it's a bowl game. I mean, mm-hmm. it is it is exactly that. It's at the Cotton Bowl. It probably means more, but but I mean, getting that win is huge. And then on the flip side, you have Steve Sarkeesian, who had to uh, had to had to take a little uh, bite of the old humble pie here. If it's cap- if he's capable of it, here's what he said after this one. Because they, of course, didn't play their best football, according to him. Some of it was a little frustrating because it was just out of character for us, you know. And that, that's the hard part as a coach that I have to drill back down into of how do I make sure that I have our guys, you know, really ready to put, go play. And I felt really good about it. I really did. And I, these guys will tell you I told them the same thing. Um, but that's that's the life of, of a competitor and a football team. When, when you're not at your best, can you find a way to win? And I, like I said, I thought our guys showed a lot of fight and grit and resiliency to put ourselves in position to win a game when we weren't at our best um, against a good football team. And um, you know, we did that. And so I was really proud of them for that. I was proud of their, their ability to fight back uh, when we weren't playing great, when, when the game was kind of slanted, uh, we were kind of playing uphill there for a while. Uh, and to get all the way back to have the lead the way that we did, it, that, that took a lot of resiliency from this group. And uh, I credit them a lot for that. The one saving grace, though, for Sark and these Longhorns, Alex, is they got a shot potentially to play Oklahoma again in Arlington. This was Sark on the possibility of a potential rematch against Oklahoma. Well, I, I expect us to get back on the horse. Uh, we, got a, we got a locker room full of competitors. Uh, this is a tight-knit group. Um, I'm, I'm super proud of them for what they bring every single day. I proud of them today. Um, and so we'll, we'll go one game at a time. Uh, I, I think this locker room is, is full of champions, and our goal is to go win a championship this year. So we got to go handle our business. Yeah, it's interesting because, yeah, you ask them, do you want, hey, what do you think? Could you maybe get back and play these guys in the Big 12 championship? Well, we're going to try to win every damn game. If that's where we end up, then there you go. And certainly it would be from a from a TV standpoint, uh, from an excitement standpoint, a repeat of of the Red River rivalry game in the in the Big 12 championship game on the last year of them being in the Big 12. It's not the thing that Brett Yormark wants. It's not the thing that Mitch Harper wants. But I'm just one of those old school guys that wants to see uh, this collision course of two Titans. If they are playing the best football, I want to see those two teams playing one another at the end of the year. That's that's certainly where I want to see them. Speaking of guys who uh, get a little bit salty, and now his team is playing a lot better than they were, Oklahoma State's Mike Gundy after they've pulled themselves out of the tailspin that they've had. This is him talking about the win that they got this weekend. I think we just played better, right? We, we uh, didn't turn the ball over. We won the hidden yards. We gave up really one big play. We got um, out leveraged on the quarterback um, wing run in the boundary. Uh, and then they caught us on a – they had a nice call on uh, third and long. They caught us in a pass defense and ran a power read. But other than that, we really played solid on defense. 
So we didn't we didn't make a lot of mistakes. We didn't give up the big throw, right? The the, the last four games, we're giving up the, the the throws that are killing us for touchdowns, and we didn't give that up tonight. Um, and then we were able to put pressure on him in the end of the third and the fourth quarter. We moved him around some, and I don't think he was comfortable in the pocket, which allowed us to intercept the ball and then forced him into some, into some errant throws for what he's done this year because he's been really, really good. Mitch, it's an interesting thing because you think about this team losing – to uh, fill in the blank state a couple of weeks ago at home. What was USA, it? USA, South Alabama. South Alabama. You, you lose to USA by, by, you know, you get tuned up by them too. It wasn't even like, a, oh, whoops, they got a fumble late. They beat you up, and then you beat the Big 12 champs from last year. That's what you tell your team in the locker room. I'm certain that, I'm certain that's part of the message, and they've got a long way to go, but uh, Mike Gundy knows how to get his guys ready for the rest of a long season like this, so watch out for the Oklahoma State Cowboys. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. Uh, around the corner, we've got our Four Corners whip around the teams that, that are going to be joining the Big 12 next year, how they've performed over the weekend here, including the buys. But, man, it was still a big W for Utah over the weekend. So stay right here with us. It is 97.5 EKSL Sports Zone and KSL News Radio. It is first and 12. Mitch Harper, Alex Keery, stay with us. The following is a presentation of KSL Sports. First and 12. A total roundup of this weekend's BYU football and the new look Big 12 Conference. First and 12 is sponsored by Macy's Grocery Store. Your hosts are Mitch Harper and Alex Keery on KSL News Radio and the KSL Sports Zone. I got to say, Alex, it feels like Big 12 football is becoming a reality sitcom where Mm -hmm. you get a host that just says, expect the unexpected or something like that. That's just what this league is every single week. And I think it's only going to continue in the future when it becomes the 16-team iteration of the league. And that's why now we go to our four-corner check-in by looking at the future members of the league. The Four Corners whip around. whip around. We check on future Big 12 opponents and rivals from the Four Corners. Let's go non-football, but the most local and the most insane news I've ever seen. When we got the press release this week, Mitch, I think we all kind of collectively looked at each other and said, what? <laughs> they said, don't tell anybody, but in about, in about three hours, we're going to announce that uh, every football scholarship player at the University of Utah is going to get themselves uh, a truck as part of the Crimson Collective uh, and, and 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 part of their partnership now uh, that they have going with an online streaming or online uh, app service that they have to be able to access for their athletes. It's such a it's such an interesting thing too, Mitch, because you know we're we're sitting there and we're going, is this real? And it I guess at some point we got to look at each other and go, can we even ask that question anymore when it comes to NIL? I would say out of all the deals that have been rolled out, uh, out of all the most visible things that have happened across the country and how much money is being thrown around, because some of it's done quietly, but the University of Utah announcing that every scholarship player is going to get a truck. Here's Mark Harlan talking about that that moment and what the commitment is. If you were wondering what the collective commitment is to these players, here was the moment where they, they honored the kids getting all of those uh, – all of those trucks there at Rice-Eccles Stadium. And I want to make it really clear in front of these incredible young men and others in the department that compete, this is the priority of the athletic department to have the Crimson Collective at a level that these guys deserve because everybody loves the top 10 program, right? 
Is that immediately going to just be, I mean, our kids signing up going, I want a truck, man. That's where I'm going right now. I don't think so, but I got to say it's a, it's a nice luxury for these guys that, you know, do go to Utah and play there, and they're going to have a fully loaded 2024 Dodge Ram truck leased out, and as long as they're there, <laughs> right, uh, they got that truck. Like, that's that's a nice perk to just have that. Now, and I, from what I understand, too, they'll probably have some uh, other perks with the, the truck as well. So, I mean, it just – it's it is what college football is about today, and it's just ironic too because you think, you know, what was it? SMU they they got shut down because of cars, gold Trans Ams, <laughs> and, and now for one guy, for, <laughs> for one guy, and now eighty five scholarship players are getting Insane. a truck. I, I think it's awesome, but at the same time, you just wonder is that really going to see a huge boost in recruiting? Because yeah, still. I don't know. I think I still think at the end of the day, cash is going to win win all when it comes to these sort of NIL deals. And there's always in the SEC these bag men that are ready to just unload the cash, and now it can go above board, and you can frame it as some sort of endorsement. But I, I do I think what's going to be interesting though, Alex, when it comes to NIL, is that now we're starting to see a wave of high school recruits that are signing with programs where they've had a kind of a couple cycles where as high school recruits in some states, depending on the the rules behind them, the legislation, they can make money as high school athletes. So you wonder if it'll get to a point where that's not really at point of mind for as many recruits. Like, yes, everyone's <laughs> going to want some sort of money, but like it felt like the last couple cycles, because it was so new, the, the opportunities were so new, businesses were looking to get in. You just felt that you know everyone's just looking for the direct bag and try to get theirs. <laughs> but going forward, uh, I, I think it slows down a little bit at some point. But I, the creativity, though, in these NIL deals, I think it's only going to continue to ramp up with these teams trying to find ways to get some sort of edge and, and put their program in a, in a spotlight because that's what Utah did. I mean, this was garnering yeah. national news Huge. this week. I would imagine – can you imagine the, mo- the moment when one of these guys gets stuck in the snow and he calls one of his other, hey, man, could you pull me out? And then 84 other trucks come over the hill to save the day. I mean, just like the amount of the amount of hilarity that comes along with it. And my wife did. She goes, what's that parking lot going to look like up at the practice facility? You go, a lot of red, <laughs> a lot of white, a lot of black trucks. And, like, you're just going to see. Uh, but I, you know what? The pictures of those kids on the field. It's I, awesome. ho- I hope that they I hope that they really kept that secret from everybody. I really did. It looked like they were all pretty surprised genuinely. So I I, I was pumped for those kids and I love that kind of stuff. That's a, that's the stuff that makes me really really excited. Okay. Colorado, we were waiting for the Buffs to get another embarrassing loss to add to it, but man, uh Prime teaching these guys some resiliency and uh, coming back and they end up getting the W and they don't take an embarrassing loss against uh, Kenny Dillingham in the Arizona State. Uh uh and the Arizona, the Arizona State Sun Devils, who actually put up not just a game, but I, I would say those guys are fighting for their lives, and they're doing a heck of a job. They just come up short against the Buffs. How weird was it for you, Alex, growing up watching probably some Big 8, Big 12 games back in the day, growing up in Texas, to think Colorado-Arizona State's a future Big 12 game? <laughs> <laughs> I just think, wow, this is no. this is the world we're living in now. But, but yes, it was a good win for Colorado. Four and two now are the Buffs, and – they had a late, uh, you know, 12 seconds left in the game. Alejandro Mata buries a 43-yard field goal. What was crazy, too, was Arizona State burned a timeout, and the first attempt, it negated the first attempt, which was a miss. And and so sometimes calling those timeouts can can backfire, but then Mata stepped up and, and buried it. It was the one game, though, 
where Coach Prime and his buffs were completely off the grid because, well, it was on Pac-12 right. Network, so no one saw it. Nope. And that's going to be uh, something that's definitely going to be changing. I bet, I, I guarantee, Brett, your mark is already thinking up ways to get Coach Prime just in the spotlight the moment he's done with Colorado or with, with uh, the Pac-12 and, and joins the Big 12 next August because uh, it just seems like Coach Prime will be a perfect fit in this new Big 12 that's looking to attract a, a younger, hipper demographic and really engage with people on social media. So interestingly enough, so Vegas had the odds at between three and a half and four games for the over-under on wins for uh, for Colorado, even with – you know all the pub that came with it. They're four and two. You yeah. know you could say what you say what you want about Colorado, the dream being smashed, or what? What was it that uh, that Dan Lanning said? He was like the the honeymoon's over for this team, <laughs> and it may be. I mean, honestly, they've got a rough go the next few weeks. But I feel bad for Arizona State because they're one and five, and they're just they, you know Kenny Dillingham has some talented guys on that thing, and they just are finding they're finding ways to fight during these games, and just they just do not have what it takes. But they also had. They also outgained Colorado by more than 100 yards on the, uh, on the offensive side of things. They held Shudor Sanders to 230 yards passing. I mean, it was it was as good of a showing defensively against Colorado as anybody's had all year, and no one cares because it's Arizona State. But uh, I, I'm, I'm one of those guys that's going, hey, I want the league to be strong going forward, the Big 12. I don't want to see Arizona State, uh, you know, just like absolutely hit a stride of, of garbage, you know, as they start to go in there, especially with kids that, that weren't part of the uh, the problem going the, forward. So that was the par- bummer. Does part of you wish the Big 12 would have gone for Washington State or Oregon State uh, instead of ASU? Now, that might be just kind of, you know, revisionist history now, seeing what's happened this season. I know Washington State lost to UCLA yesterday, but do you almost think they would have been better fits? Um, because it seems like ASU just – has no interest in the Big 12 at all. Like they well, just have no energy. You could maybe say that about a couple other teams that are coming yeah. in, right, who act like they're too good for the league. But uh, I think why, in terms of brand recognition of teams coming in, just like a straight-up brand play, I think Arizona State is always going to outduel Washington State and Oregon State when it comes to that. Like right now, your team's playing well. Washington State, obviously, they took up their first loss today. But – but when when you talk about like Oregon State and Washington State, just from like a if we're gonna straight up say it, like a, a brand sex appeal situation, yeah. Arizona State's always gonna win that one out. And I think Brett Yormark would say the same thing because he's a he's a brand guy. That he is. I don't know if you know that about him. <laughs> he loves his brands, oh and goodness. we love having that Four Corners whip around every single week. And if you miss any part of the show, you can subscribe to the podcast first and 12 on kslsports.com. We'll look ahead to what's next in the Big 12 as we take our final timeout here on first and 12, and it's powered by KSL Sports. Read all the stories about BYU sports no one else has heard. Go to kslsports.com for exclusive columns by BYU insider Mitch Harper. That's kslsports.com. All right, everybody, welcome back. It is first and 12 right here on KSL News Radio. Also heard on the KSL Sports Zone every Sunday and also via podcast. Anywhere podcasts you uh, love can be found, they are going to be right there. Mitch Harper, Alex Curie. It's a bye week. For BYU, which means we didn't have a lot of games to break down, but we certainly had a lot of actual games across the Big 12 to break down, and that's what we're going to do right now. All of it brought to you by the folks at Macy's. Happy shopping. Proud to have them as sponsors of First and 12, your local grocers who bring you the freshest fruits and vegetables. Macy's, happy shopping. Let's get into our week ahead and what the schedule looks like for the rest of the Big 12 next week. 
The week ahead. Matchups that have us the most excited about the week to come in the Big 12. How about this one, Alex? Thursday night, the Dana Holgerson Bowl. <laughs> West Virginia goes to Houston, Uh-oh. 5 p.m. on FS1. If there's a game where Houston can rise up, maybe it's this one for their head coach as he goes up against his old team. Well, and not only that, like just based off of what we've seen by the Big 12 the rest of the way, of course Houston's going to blow out <laughs> West Virginia, right? Like just exactly. based off of based off of any of the guesses, I mean just knowing that we have no clue what's going to happen in a lot of these games and a Thursday game feels really weird for a Big 12 matchup, but that be, I mean, Houston's like, no, we do Thursday games. Come on. We do this all the time. West Virginia's like, we haven't done this in a long time. And, and and I'll tell you, this is an interesting game because Dana Holgerson, it's not just about getting back that old team, getting back into his old team he used to be the head coach of. I think it's also like, hey, man, people are not taking me seriously right now. And he's if there's anybody, this other guy, Neil Brown, is supposed to be on the hot seat, but it's me on the hot seat, Dana Holgerson. So you're hosting one at home. That could be your first Big 12 win in the conference. Boy, they need it. And Houston, uh, it's a game that they really, really need. And it's a Thursday matchup, which is always kind of weird as well. You got a lot of teams who are going to be sitting out. Uh, they didn't take their buys this week. They're going to do it. This, uh, they're going to do it the upcoming week. And then everybody else who was taking a break is going to be playing again next week. Mitch, we've got quite the slate here. We do. And Saturday morning, it starts with Iowa State at Cincinnati, 10 a.m. FS1. A lot of FS1 games. Mm. This weekend, because MLB playoffs will be taking over network TV. So, uh, uh, a lot of the Big 12 action will relegate to FS1, but Cyclones and Bearcats, Cyclones look to keep their win streak going after that big win over TCU. Two uh, rivals or two mascots who are nebulous. No one knows a lot about a Cyclone <laughs> or a Bearcat, but there they are facing off against one another. Kansas and Oklahoma State, this is an interesting one. This is underrated, too, because they're going to be kicking off around the same time BYU and TCU do, but Kansas and Oklahoma State, that's a game where Mike Gundy could go, and we're just going to absolutely uh, shock everybody. You could see both teams at the end of that game uh, with two losses. Oklahoma State could go to 4-2. and two. Kansas could go to 5-2 and two on the year, and I wouldn't be a bit surprised because it's in Stillwater. And, yeah, so I was going to say it's in Stillwater. That's, that's one of the big piece here because they seem to play better, Oklahoma State does, unless they're playing USA, America's team, South <laughs> Alabama. They seem to play better in Stillwater. The nightcap game, before we get to BYU, uh, Kansas State at Texas Tech, 5 p.m. Feels kind of like a, a, a real if, – if either one of these teams are going to be a threat at all in the Big 12 race – this is a must-win for both of those teams. Yeah, it feels and, like. and Texas Tech is kind of in that moment right now where they're like, "Hey, we're finding ourselves a little bit." And Kansas State's licking their wounds, and they're going to Lubbock. And so this one is this one you could really see these guys. You talk about our power rankings. If you missed any of them, you can go back and listen to the podcast of our first segment of this hour. But Texas Tech is on the rise, and Kansas State falling the other direction. And really, I, I, again. Based off of what we've seen the rest of the year, of course, Texas Tech blowing out Kansas State or the other way around, throw it up in the air. I have no clue. I mean, this is a lot of these teams right now. Look at these records. BYU's out of BYU and Kansas are the only teams with only one loss on Saturday playing. West Virginia's one. West Virginia, BYU, and Kansas, all with just one loss right now, just like you planned, right? TCU three and three. Iowa State three and three. Cincinnati's two and three. Oklahoma State's three and two. Kansas State and Texas Tech are both three and two and three and three respectively. I mean, it's absolutely beating each other up uh, across the board in this conference. And 
frankly, I'm here for all of it. I want to see, I, I want to see just absolute mayhem. Who cares? I mean, are people really going? I want to see a representative from the conference going to the Big Twelve or going to the college football playoff. It's like I don't care. I want to see these teams go at it and fight for who's going to be the top of this league because next year it's not going to be Oklahoma or Texas. So somebody show me what you got here. And uh, this next week is obviously going to be one to prove that. And TCU hosting BYU is, of course, the big one for us folks here locally. Yeah, 1.30 kick. Uh, extended pregame begins at 11 a.m. from Fort Worth on KSL News Radio. TV broadcast will be on ESPN, but the whole call will be here on the legacy home of the Cougars, KSL News Radio. And, you know, this is a, a good game. It's a good matchup, a historical conference rival matchup. You know, I was thinking about it, Alex. These teams last played in a conference in 2010, and it just blows me away to think that's been 13 years ago for incoming, you know, freshmen that just, you know, got to Fort Worth or got to Provo this this fall. Uh, they were about five years old when the last time these two teams, Jeez. those students, it just, it's been a long time, longer than we think. So maybe the... Uh, you know, the older crowd likes respects that rivalry like us, but maybe some of the younger folks don't really appreciate how good of a series that truly was back in the Mountain West days. But I think in this Big 12 era, this has the makings to be a, the beginning of a good matchup too. And, and I do think that BYU, this is going to be a critical line of scrimmage game because TCU still has speed, particularly at their linebacker position and in the secondary. Can BYU win in the trenches and – that's going to be a challenge for them, and I think that that's going to be something that I'm really watching closely because BYU wins in the trenches. They can they can beat anyone in this league, not named Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, so I think if they can they can win that battle, that's going to give them a great shot to to pull pull off the win here. I was going to say too, you know, I've had this discussion. And I actually had a discussion a little bit uh, with a guy who with a couple of friends who went out to the Kansas game just as fans, and they said, "Man, it was awesome." Kansas fans were like, "Hey, we are so glad you guys are in the Big 12. And so far, it's been a lot of like handshaking, and and you uh, you and I've both commented like it'll be interesting to see how these other teams are like. Okay, how are we supposed to treat BYU here? Are they a rival? <laughs> are they new? We kind of like them. We kind of hate them. There's all sorts of weird stuff here. Like we don't really know these guys very well. That is not a question with TCU. TCU is like, oh no, we have the BYU hate down already. We are fine. We know how. There's a reason why you can't make it to this game, right? If you're a BYU fan. The secondary market for tickets is going to be difficult because they're actually hunting down season ticket holders for trying to get rid of their tickets to sell to BYU fans. They will make sure that those guys get punished. They'll be punitive to people who are giving their tickets to BYU fans or selling their tickets to BYU fans. That's how little they want to see BYU blue in the stands down in Fort Worth. Yeah, because the secondary market is the the prices are getting pretty cheap too, and and I did look into this. Uh, SeatGeek apparently is the one area where there's a little bit of a loophole. So if BYU fans want to hit SeatGeek up, uh, that's are you kind of the secondary. Paid by SeatGeek now? You getting a Ram truck from <laughs> no, SeatGeek? I, I know, but I just like hey, just just a pro <laughs> tip there, uh, Cougar fans. That's the that's the spot if you want to be uh, showing that you blue down in Fort Worth. You know, oh, they're you, it up. you know there because the tickets are as low as twenty bucks. now now and Cougar fans they are going to fill the stands and you know I think it's just going to be a fun match because I remember back in the day too remember when Gary Patterson oh, yeah. put BYU uh, helmets on the tackling dummies yep. leading up to that 2008 game it was intense I mean it was you can really point to you know TCU's ascent in college football at the moments where they took down BYU yep. and then they had those heated battles with Utah. I mean, that was that was some great football during that stretch and to see that back is is awesome. I think both you and I 
we're, we're really excited to see this series continue because, man, this, this has been something that's been missing, too, for BYU is just playing a game against not a traditional in-state foe, but there's a series that has some juice to it because BYU hasn't had this yeah. in more than a decade. And and even Sonny Dykes at Big 12 Media Day said, man, I have a lot of respect for BYU. Like, both of these programs have similar uh, program arcs where they were these underdogs and they defied the odds and they've relied on, on good offenses but also have had some really strong defenses. I mean, those TCU defenses with Gary Patterson were outstanding back in the day with Jerry Hughes. Yeah. And, man, they were good. So I just I, I love this matchup from a historical kind of nostalgic perspective, but I think the on-field product's going to be pretty fun too. This is where the meme of Carl Weathers and Arnold Schwarzenegger coming together <laughs> with, the, uh, with the two hands, BYU and Utah fans going, here's our hate for TCU. <laughs> the one thing we can get together on for this one. All right, Mitch, uh, you and I, We'll also perform that same meme right now and end the program. So uh, another another first and 12 in the books, man. Uh, this is fun. It's going to be even more fun. You're going to be down in Fort Worth. I'll be doing the pregame right here from uh, the KSL Sports Zone Studios in Salt Lake. Uh, extended pregame from you and Matt Biamonte as well. Everything is covered across the world of KSL Sports. So join us then. Download the podcast, First and 12, wherever it's found. For Mitch Harper, I'm Alex Curie. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back again for another edition of First and 12 next week, and we'll see you then.